horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With the weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Inglehart, racing's regular guy. Joining us here on Winning Ponies, one of the longest racing podcasts on thoroughbred racing since podcasts were invented. Um, so I'm happy to be part of that. And of course, being part of uh, Voice America radio team, the larger presenter of uh, podcasting and sports talk on the internet. So uh, pretty good connections and uh, am blessed to be here for another day. I hope everybody is doing just fine. Uh, coming up this week, it is a uh, cornucopia of racing from everywhere. Uh, where I think you, where we're going to key in, is Gulfstream Park. I mean, and we're bringing in Pete Aiello. You know Pete mostly as the voice of Gulfstream Park. I know him as a personal friend that I first met as a young tyke when he was going to the University of Arizona racetrack program. And I got to be in the booth with him for a couple of years when he was cutting his teeth at River Downs. Obviously, he's now gone on uh, to uh, becoming one of the premier race callers in North America, I can safely say. But... Uh, Gulfstream Park is going to have, I believe it's eight stakes races. Six of them are graded stakes. Of course, the two that will grab your eye quickly will be the Florida Derby and the Gulfstream Park Oaks. But also you've got the Grade 2 Pan American, uh, the Grade 3 Orchid, Grade 3 Appleton, and Ghost Zapper. Uh, so it is going to be a very, very busy day. If you like handicapping, uh, the Gulfstream Park program where the easy win forms that you can get so easily by going to winningponies.com and just clicking on them. Just find out what they're all about. Check it out. You don't have to buy anything right away and see how they've been performing. But I will tell you this, uh, our numbers have really been clicking uh, on the easy win form at Gulfstream Park. So the, your fun day and hopefully profitable one will start at 11.30 in the morning. No, we're not watching the races at Dubai. Uh, but uh, we are, uh, we're, we're going to be uh, uh, starting early at Gulfstream Park at, at 11.30 uh in the morning and while I have a lot of things to catch up on uh, there's the guy I've just been talking about I find out we have him on the phone and I don't want to have him sit here through last week's race results and the things we covered and what's coming up this week because he is coming up this week and he is none other than the gentleman I was just talking to the man behind the mic Pete Iello how are you my friend <laughs> Good evening, John. Good evening to all the listeners in podcasts and radio land. Hope everyone's having a great night. 
Uh, yes, I, I, I hope they are too. Wherever they are, you're either in some balmy uh, sun or uh, waiting for a storm to hit in the United States right now. Hopefully it's all out uh, uh, by the weekend. I was just describing to everybody, Pete, uh, the busy day uh, that you're going to have uh, to my count. Um it was uh, uh, six graded stakes races you're recalling, 14 races. The action starts at, at 11.30 a.m. I sure hope you're going to bed early Friday night. Uh, you got that right. Uh, I'll be having some takeout after our nine race card tomorrow and uh, be primed for a big day on Saturday. Ten stakes, like you said, six of them graded, and it'll be a long day but uh i was talking to somebody earlier it's interesting too because the florida derby is the 14th race it's like asking a pitcher to go out on the mound and throw his fastball in the ninth inning <laughs> well you're all i can say is you're going to keep the eyes of the nation upon so, something someone asked me at lunch today that i hadn't researched maybe you know is there going to be a national presentation with the three derby preps involved because i noticed they're all racing within about an hour of each other on saturday no i think the uh i think the arkansas derby is uh is on fs1 with the folks from new york and then uh our broadcast is on cnbc from six to seven so i don't think it's a it's a i don't think everybody's on one channel but i do think there's at least a national presence for all of it well i'll i'll be sure to be tuned in uh, gonna walk the dog and get anything else i get out of the way by eleven thirty because i think it's going to be a real fun day to watch down there pete um I was telling people how, how long I knew you and how, you know, I got to just kind of watch you grow in your job. And it was never to me more evident than a couple of weeks ago in in in, in the Phasic Tipton Fountain of Youth. Uh, it, it, it was a sensational race, a big full field. You were having a great call. And, and, and as the horses were rounding the turn, the turn I'm just sitting there going, because they were starting to fan out. And there were four or five of them, as you know, tightly uh, bunched within oh, no less than two links of each other. And I'm like, okay, what's coming? What's coming? Are we going to get a who do you like? Are we going to get something new like uh, a tsunami wave of challengers? I'm sitting there on the edge of my seat. So what do you got for me, Pete? What do you got for me? And then, boom, it happens. The heel clip uh, with yep. with with high, high Oak and Galt. And they both went down. As you know, an inexperienced race caller uh, would somehow become unglued and somehow have to feel that while they saw they need to make that the story. And uh, Pete, you were so, I don't know if eloquent is the right word or sharp, but you immediately let all of us know, okay, this happened. Uh, High Oak and Galt have both gone down. Uh, the riders uh, appear to have been thrown uh, to, uh, uh, to, to be thrown clear. And simplifications, man. And then you went right back. It's like, okay, an, an incident happened. We'll all find out what happened later. Right now, quickly, it looks like everything's going to be okay. 
Let's get back to the race. And you immediately went back and uh, gave the call of uh, simplifications uh, uh, win over in due time. Uh, Pete, you just showed your, uh, your, 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 your maturity there. And, and, and how does that develop? And perhaps what, what advice would you have for maybe some young guys out there wanting to be an announcer that might find themselves in that situation someday? Perhaps you did when you were an early announcer and you came a little unglued. I don't know. Tell me. Well, you know, I think, I think it's a real fine line between acknowledging that it happened and, as you say, you know, not coming unglued and then also being a bit callous about the fact that it did happen and almost ignoring that it did happen. I think that that's a, that's a really fine line, and I don't know that it's clearly delineated for anybody and any you know, what you should or shouldn't do in a situation. I think it's very situational. And I was actually really surprised, you know, the amount of feedback I got that was similar to yours about, you know, really straddling the line well between letting everyone know what happened without doing it in some sort of a doomsday fashion mm-hmm. and at the same time not letting what happened overshadow the fact that there are people financially invested in this horse and this may be the biggest race they'll ever win in their lives. So, you know, um, you know, from their perspective, yeah, we're sorry that those horses fell. We hope they're okay. But this is going to be something that we're going to have a lifetime worth of memories here. So, you know, it's that fine line of not, uh, you know, pretending like it didn't happen, but then also um, making sure that you give the horse who did win the race the amount of enthusiasm that he's entitled to. So um, I wasn't real sure at the time. You know, I think it, was, it wasn't it was a conscious decision on my part. It was really just it was really just instinct that, okay, you know, these horses flip, fell. And I think one of the things that helped me in that situation was that I actually saw it happen. And I think a lot of times, you know, maybe a little inside baseball talk here, but a lot of times with announcers, when they do come unglued or they, or they sound confused or they're distraught or whatever, it's because they didn't see it through the binoculars as it happened. And so we're literally scrambling going, you know, what happened? What, you know, what's going on here? Because, you know, the next thing we know is, is the horses, you know, were third and fourth when we last saw them, and now all of a sudden they vanished. Um, so I think for me, the fact that my binoculars were on those horses when they clipped heels, and I knew definitively that they clipped heels, that nobody broke down, um, I was confident that, you know, you worry about the riders, but I was confident at, the, at that very moment, I was confident that the horses were okay because I knew they just clipped heels. They didn't, they didn't actually, you know, have anything happen physically with them. Well, you, you you did it seamlessly, and as soon as it happened, I'm like forgetting about who do you like, the tsunami, well, so you, you just got back to the facts in front of us, but I, I do like when there's five horses turning for home, and you come up with something, Pete, and it's not always the same thing, I mean, uh, you, 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 you don't have any tired calls, as a matter of fact, I think you're still coming up with new ones, or maybe I just don't listen enough, and I think they're new, but uh, I, I guess uh, if you're not evolving, you're devolving and we just love you yeah i agree i agree with you 100 percent on that comment for sure and i think that um i think it's important that as you say tired calls that's a very good way of putting it you know it's kind of gimmicky and i know that some 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 listeners and i'm sure there's some listening right now that don't really like it because it is gimmicky but i think you have to feel the crowd out and i think that you know that the optimum scenario is to have somebody clamor for it without them actually getting it in other words if you know that it's coming then it kind of the novelty wears off but if you like the phrase and you haven't heard it in a while and you're 
watching the race and going, wow, this would be a good time for that. Right. And then I don't say it. I think that's kind of the line I the line I want to be on, where it's like you thought I you were going to get it, and I know I'm very much that way with the easy money call. You know, people are just they're begging for it or they're yelling it themselves, and they don't get it, and then they're like, "Hey, I was the perfect time for that." And then the <laughs> next day, when they don't they don't expect it, then you unleash it because you know, like you say, because you have to continuously try to stay fresh. If you do have one or two phrases, or in my case, I guess it's three that people really like then you have to kind of milk that for what it's worth without taking it to the point where it's no longer usable at least uh, that's the way i look at it you have to you have to keep the novelty fresh yeah well it, it, it was seamless and i i just like like i said you know it, it, to this day i still uh, enjoy your calls and still find things uh, th- that are fresh so uh, enough of talking about pete aiello we do have a fantastic card the, the great thing about talking to you this evening pete and i do appreciate you being on i, I know you're busy is is that you so many of these horses uh, you know with the exception of a few tampa shippers uh you've seen through your through your lens through your binoculars it's, yeah. that's why I, I thought it was uh so uh, good to get you on because i need to know a little bit about what you saw with these horses and uh how it might help me on saturday now if i'm saying this right i guess the horse i need to know the most about because he's only run once but <laughs> sure looks good and that is white a barrio is that how you pronounce that safi joseph's yep. horse Yep. I don't know what yeah, a think, white uh, bar is. <laughs> uh, well, the the folks, that, that horse is a private purchase. So the folks that owned that horse when he started his career uh, aren't the same people. And their last name is the Barrio. Oh. Um, so I think that's got to be where the name is derived from. And that horse was real impressive when he broke his maiden for them, for, for trainer Carlos Perez. And then Safi and his ownership group sweeped in and, and bought him. Um, as far as his race in the Holy Bull goes, I would be, I would say that you should go back and watch the race to draw your own conclusions. But from my vantage point, I think the race and more and more importantly, the speed figure is a little beefed up because, you know, that horse was absolutely perfectly handled that day. He was, he got the benefit of absolutely everything his own way. He was, he was on the hip of the leader in the clear the whole way and just drew off. So I think that. You know, if you think you can get that trip again Saturday, fine. But um, I think from a from a standpoint of of falling for the big, big big speed figure, I would be a little worried because he was he was he got his A game and his A trip last time. So I don't know what happens if he brings his A game, but he gets a C trip. You know what I mean? And so my next question, which is logical, is he passed the Fountain of Youth, but the horse that really stole the headlines in there was the eventual favorite who ran second uh, to White Abario in the Holy Bull. And that was simplification uh, in in the race we were talking about earlier. But I, he was going to win that no matter what happened, I think. Which, well, simplification, he had a horrible trip in the Holy Bull. I mean, it was brutal. And it was actually, I think if you talk to Antonio Sano, that that was a perfect uh, disaster in disguise in terms of it ended up working out awesome for him because he learned to pass horses and he's learned to take dirt. And I Uh think that when he ran back in the Fountain of Youth, everybody figured that he was kind of, you know, alive because he had so much trouble in the Holy Bull. 
and they thought that he would be more forwardly placed and kind of almost try to get the trip that White Abario got in the Fountain of Youth where he's in the clear, latched onto the top horses. And then he got off slow again and got shuffled back a little bit and took dirt. And he responded to it like a champ. So he learned so much from that bad trip in the Holy Bull that it set him up to win the Fountain of Youth. Um, I made a comment on a podcast that I did before the the Fountain of Youth that if he were to win the Fountain of Youth, that he would earn my respect and I would like him in the Derby. And I can't really waver too much from that point of view because the only thing I could say negative in the negative column is is he a race over the top. He's done so much already. Is he a race over the top? And we won't know that going in until the race is run. But from what you can see on paper and what I've seen on the racetrack, I mean, he's, he's the real deal. All right, we're talking with Pete Aiello from Gulfstream Park, and uh, I- interesting that you leave me this segue. Uh, a horse that uh, we haven't, I don't think, go over the top, but you've had a chance to call twice, uh, breaking from the maiden ranks, uh, moving into the, this uh, million-dollar race, is Charge It, a Todd Pletcher trainee uh, that his only two lifetime starts looked awful impressive, and he really seemed to learn from his first race and came back Luis Saez gets the call charge it the name of the horse only making his third lifetime start yeah and you hit the nail right on the proverbial head when you said that he learned something from his first race he definitely did and uh, you know in Todd I trust Todd's won more Florida Derbies than any other trainer in history so when you talk about this particular race and the, the type of horses that he brings into this race he, he always brings he always brings those types of horses that uh, he, he thinks that are going on to bigger and better things I mean always dreaming is the one that immediately comes to mind for me that's you know only 60 days before the Florida Derby he was a maiden so um, I, I don't think charge it charge it has to do much other than than run the same type of race that he did in this maiden race as far as from a speed figure standpoint and i don't think he needs the lead um he's my pick to be completely honest with you uh really i'm not sure we're, we're, yeah I, I like him he, he he and and just the fact that the fact that todd sat on him for as long as he did with the army of good horses that he ran that he um that he brought to the table and something that was brought up before the Fountain of Youth that I thought was, as it was a, a fellow handicapper that I was on this, the, this podcast with, and he just, he bowled me over with a comment because I thought it was very astute and I hadn't thought of it, which was Todd decided that he needed to run two horses in the Fountain of Youth, and both of the two horses that he ran in the Fountain of Youth came in with a good large amount of height. And his comment was, if they were both really that good, why would he let them run against each other? And I thought that was a really, really good point. So with the army of horses that he's had and the ways that he's had to manage all of these good three-year-olds, the fact that he has been dead set on running this horse in the Florida Derby from the time he broke his maiden, you know, is he worried about this horse running against winners? I don't think so. Well, you know, uh, obviously we're going to get some shippers in here. You got the winner of the Tampa Bay Derby, uh, the, you know, the – Jack Supreme, Arad Ortiz will be on that again. Has not been over your strip, uh, nor has uh, Papa Cap, who could be a live long shot uh, coming in from the fairgrounds. I think if you put a line through his Risen Star and, and go back to his career races before that, he, he's a solid horse. But uh, uh, and, correct and me if feel- I'm wrong. He he actually broke his maiden at Gulfstream first time out. Right, and then he went to the if West had- Coast. Damn, you're good, Aiello. Yep. Man. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, wire to wire. 
uh, and not not bad at all, Pete. That was May of last year. Shit, you're good. But anyhow, um, I just remember just saying, because he's by sick. What you remember? I just remember the day that he won that race, and I was announcing his pedigree, and I said, "Returning to the winner's circle is Papa Cap, a son of Gun Runner." And I just started laughing to myself, like that's clever. I like that. You're right. <laughs> and I'm not one, and you know me, I'm not one to remember or care about pedigree. But I just remember looking at the name and the sire and be like, ah, clever. I like that. Uh, if you cared about pedigree, go back and look at Charge's pedigree that we were just talking about. <laughs> There's nothing but black type on that horse's family. Well, Pete, on such a busy, busy day, uh, and I'm going to let you go here in a minute, but uh, of course, a uh, race of a lot of people's interest will be uh, the Gulfstream Park Oaks. And as I wrote in my preview of this race, I started it off with, well, uh, named at 9 to 5 is the Todd Pletcher trainee, uh, goddess of fire uh who uh, just missed by a half leg the anyhow i stated you know nine to five goddess father so who will the second place odds horse be it's goddess of fire <laughs> <laughs> and people will go what yeah that's right that kathleen oh had to raise uh, your your eyebrows again shug mcgahee uh with a, an early developing three-year-old who just looks like she'll relish any extra distance you throw at her yeah, I think that's definitely true. I think that um, history has shown that. Now, her last race, she, she raced against a lot of horses who were unproven going that trip and unproven coming out of the race that they wanted to go that far, if that makes any sense. So she probably didn't win. She probably won by a lot more than she would have if she was in against horses like maybe Goddess of Fire who don't really mind going the trip that she's going to go. But that being said, that's a very small, nitpicky-type comment because she has been ultra-good, and she just keeps getting better and better and better. And to the point we made earlier about form cycles and who's sitting on a big race, you know, Shug is a master of getting horses just continuously better and better and better and better. So um, I'm actually looking forward to seeing I, – I, my, my hope – from a racing fan perspective is that Kathleen O blows the doors off the field in the Gulfstream Oaks and then Secret Oath runs well in the Arkansas Derby because <laughs> I think that I think that would be a nice little heavyweight matchup. I know that Secret Oath is far and away the more fancy of the two at the moment, but uh I'd like to see Kathleen O turn a big performance in and maybe have a heck of a storyline going into the first Friday in the uh, absolutely. If, in fact, that's where Secret Oath goes, we'll know a lot more after Saturday. But, yeah, that would be great. So we, we've got some good good racing coming coming down the pike with us. Well, Pete, listen, I, I had to jump in a little bit early here. I appreciate it. Go have a great time the rest of your night. Uh, I'll tell everybody I know you, okay? Always a pleasure to talk with you, my friend. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, I'll give you a, a little recap of the news from last week, national news, and then we're going to be with our man that creates the Derby Dozen for the Blood Horse, Byron King. I'm John Engelhart. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. And they're off. What? 
can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart. And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. All right. Thanks for joining us. And thanks again to track announcer Pete Iello again. Get up. Get your stuff out of the way early in the morning on Saturday. The racing starts at Gulfstream at 1130 in the morning. Just a stakes-laden program. Well, last week uh, we brought in our friend Kevin Kilroy uh, from the fairgrounds down in New Orleans because that's really where all the, the top race in action was there, including a... Derby prep that has changed a lot of things. I believe uh, it affected Byron King's Derby Dozen. We'll ask him that here in a few minutes. Uh, but the Twinspire.com Louisiana Derby created the now horse. And from what I understand from Vegas, the current favorite in the Kentucky Derby, Steve Asmussen trained epicenter, pulled away to win by two and a half, giving jockey Joel Rosario his fifth win of the day. Epicenter just won at will. Now, a little bit about his resume. Uh, absolutely loves the fairgrounds. If he can transfer that uh, to Churchill, where he broke his maiden as a two-year-old going a mile, then he should be legit in the Derby. Now, he went down to the fairgrounds uh, in December and reeled off a win in uh, the Gunrunner. Uh, that was uh, a $90,000 stake. Then he uh, ventured into graded waters. Uh, the grade three LeCompte just missed by a head at, uh, to call me Midnight, uh, who he faced again last week. And then Epicenter came back and was very impressive in the Risen Star. So, again, 
Uh, he takes the top spot in the Louisiana Derby, a race we looked at. A horse that's now uh, getting some attention is Zozos from the Brad Cox barn, who, where will Florent Giroux go in the first Saturday of May? Anyhow, the horse's name is Zozos. Another one of those horses that we're saying is getting ready to run a big race and did. It's a, a son of Munnings, who right now is the leading sire of three-year-olds in 2022. So Zozos ended up getting the second spot. One thing you want to remember, though, about Epicenter coming out of Louisiana Derby, I failed to mention it yet, is for the mile and three sixteenths set a new track record. Who set that track record? Hot Rod Charlie, who's turned out to be a damn good horse in his own right. Now hasn't he, folks? So uh, anyhow, Epicenter, the, the big horse to be coming out of the Louisiana Derby, and Zozos, the one to watch. And then the Oaks, of course, everybody in the bartender was giving out Echo Zulu. Ooh, man, they were lining up at the bridge going over to Lake Pontchartrain to jump just before Echo Zulu kept her nose in front from Hidden Connection, who Kevin Kilroy said he thought that was this was the horse that he thought could uh, maybe get the job done if Echo Zulu didn't. Well, almost beat Echo Zulu just missed needed one more head bob and hidden connection from the brett calhoun barn almost got there but got a lot of points for the kentucky oaks echo zulu hey we were saying if ever there was a time to beat her it was last week because echo zulu was making her first start of the season she led every step of the way but then she was beginning to tire she's already won a mile of 16th but that's as she ramped up to it last season i think she's going to get a lot out of that race if she's as sensational a champion as we believe she is she She'll be back. It certainly is in the hands of Steve Asmussen, who's the guy to get her back there. All right. Other races that we looked at from the fairgrounds was the New Orleans Classic. And, yeah, I brought home one of those huge, what I thought was going to be an 8-5 to five winner, turned out to be a 3-5 to five winner. Olympiad, trained by Bill Mott, as we stated on the show last week, just perfectly placed. Uh, this horse is day and night between his 2-year-old and his 3-year-old season. Uh, has proven that, that, that he likes to go right of ground. He's got all the credentials there. Uh, son of Spitestown, trained by Bill Mott. Uh, so it's going to be a very interesting season with the older horses as Olympiad. Very, very impressive. Second in there was Proxy, who uh, I would have to say uh, is not one to leave off your list, but man, was just no match for Olympiad down there at the fairgrounds. And the Mune as Memorial. Well, a winner out there. Horse, I said, don't throw out because I liked him. I bet him, but I bet him at 15 to 1. Went off at 5 to 1. It was two Emmys ridden by James Graham. Remember, this is the horse that won what's now or was for one race called the Mr. D Stakes, uh, which was the Arlington Million. When I saw 15 to 1 on the Arlington Million winner, I'm like, I'm, I want this. But still, got 5 to 1 on the horse. 
Second was another horse we alluded to, the Santine. I think uh, a horse trained by Brendan Walsh that has a whole lot of, of upside uh, to him. So uh, that was a look at uh, the Munez Memorial. Uh, I'm not sure how many of the ladies' races we're going to get to since Byron King is our uh, – is, is our upcoming guest, and we're going to concentrate on his Derby Dozen, but still some big uh, races that should uh, affect uh, the Kentucky Oaks. And, uh, of course, we already discussed briefly with uh, Pete uh, the Gulfstream Oaks, where Kathleen O is the one to beat. Morning line odds of four to five, Goddess of Fire. Looks like be the bottom of that exacta. And then a Turfway Park. That's right. Remember the Bourbonette Oaks? Now remember, Turfway Park is a tapita or a tapeta track. I'm sure Byron King will set me uh, correct on the uh, pronunciation of that. So uh, we'll see if we get a chance to talk about the Bourbonette Oaks. But I'll tell you what, this race, a quarter million dollars on the line, uh, has drawn some pretty interesting horses. Kenny McPeak bringing sandstone out of stall for the first time this season uh one finished third in the goldenrod last year after winning the rags to riches by 10 links at churchill downs let's be clear brad cox manny franco coming in to ride you got uh, champagne poetry just missed by a nose at aqueducts ruthless should make for an interesting race but probably be talking mostly about the boys races with my friend byron king so we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, we're going to be talking with that associate editor of the Blood Horse, the king of the cappers from Louisville, Kentucky, Byron King. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free. 1-866- And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Englehart, racing's regular guy. The phone lines are open and are toll-free, 1-866-472-5788, or send us an email at show at winningponies.com. John and our guests are looking forward to hearing from you. Have any tips or comments you'd like to share? Any questions we would be happy to answer? Contact us. Now, back to the show. Winning Ponies with John Inglehart. 
All right, and with the man I mentioned at the top of this show, none other than Byron King is going to be giving us uh, his uh, updates on the Derby Dozen. Uh, I'm going to guess after this weekend, uh, a Derby Dozen that may well uh, have a few more uh, fresh eggs in the carton. We will find out. Byron King, how are you? I'm great, John. How are you, my friend? I'm great. A lot of people might not know this, but Byron, uh, in between everything he does for Ray, right now he's hiking the Appalachian Trail, and he was nice enough to hike towards a cell tower today so he we could take this call. So, uh, Byron, I, I appreciate that, and you keeping the past performances in your, in your backpack. Uh, great, greatly appreciated, and uh, that's why we have you on. You're a real trooper. Uh, well, thank you. I, I I appreciate your exaggeration. I was going to go for a hike, but I was a it was a weather scratch tonight. A, a little a little wet here in the Ville, uh, so uh, you know uh, it was no bueno on the uh, on the hike. So. All right. Now, we before we get to to your uh, often read Derby Dozen rankings, I want to ask you: Will you be going to a shall I say a, a lesser points race this weekend? The Jeff Ruby Stakes, as in the ones you eat. I will not be attending the Jeff Ruby Stakes uh, because I am taking a family vacation, uh, and I will have my toes in the sand in. Uh, uh, in uh, Destin, Florida, along the Gulf of Mexico, or uh, right there, and, and enjoying uh, enjoying some uh, some nice beach time. But I will have the uh, the ADW platform up and watching all this racing from afar. But uh, the Jeff Ruby has long been a race that I have attended. Of course, it was run for many many years with other names and whatnot, the spiral yes. and all kinds of stuff. But uh, and and many times I would see you there, my friend. And uh, I but know. Of course, of course, construction's still ongoing. I believe they're going to allow some some owners and stuff in. They've been letting them in this season, uh, you know, and it's kind of staggering them. But of course, not open to fans. And uh, I haven't really quite heard what their plans were for the media. But since I was beach bound, I didn't really care all that much. And I'll be I'll be beach bound come uh, Sunday, my friend. I'm heading down there for a few days myself on the Gulf of Mexico. But uh, yeah, wow. find out where you are, and I'll crash your party, man. You know, we'll talk <laughs> off air about that. You know, I'm sure you'd love to have me as a guest because hey, I got that new speedo for Christmas, and I'm dying to break it out. Oh gosh! Oh boy, that's it. There's an image. You know, it's. Uh... <laughs> Well, anyhow, hey, how do we look, transition you from that one, brother? You might want the beach to yourself, okay? So I'll come down and walk in a big area, and then your family can, you know, plop their blanket down and know that there won't be people near you for a good furlong or so. Ah. <laughs> All right. So, so much of terrible images etched in your mind. Uh, we're talking with Byron King here, and uh, he, we're talking about his Derby Dozen rankings. I'm sure uh, that he'd agree with me, and we'll talk about it as, before we finish up this interview, uh, some of the races that may well shake it up this week. But if you go to the Blood Horse and, and, and want to find out uh, 
who uh, who Byron's listing their, their his top twelve. You can do it now. It changes, I believe, every Tuesday. And mm-hmm. if you listen to last time we had Byron on, I think it was three weeks ago, we had three Derby dozen horses in the same race, and they ran one, two, and I'm going to say five. So that's not bad. Uh, Derby doesn't exact us. So where does your crystal ball take us? As we know, the first image you see, and perhaps rightfully so, is that of a horse trained by Steve Asmussen named Epicenter. Correct. Epicenter vaults numero uno after winning the Louisiana Derby, and he was just uh, a really striking winner of that race. He rated uh, just off the pace. Two other horses um, beat him to the lead, and he just kind of settled perfectly behind them and then just it just inhaled them in a matter of strides once in the stretch. Ended up winning by, I believe it was two and a half or thereabouts. He seemed to just be kind of cruising the last eighth of a mile. A really sharp performance. Good effort from the runner-up, Zozo, who also cracks the Derby Dozen. Uh, both these horses, even Zozo's, even though he had never run in a stakes race before, he earned 40 points, which at least historically is, is well enough to get you into the Kentucky Derby. So these two bookend the Derby dozen. You've got Zozo's at number 12 and Epicenter at number one. So uh, I think this was a, a very good performance from both of these two horses. And uh, Zozo's somewhat disadvantaged by being lightly raced and, and perhaps with uh, – you know, uh, a tall order in front of him in a in a twenty horse derby coming up soon. Well, your your second pick is a horse that when we did this very first derby dozen show, I said, "Who the hell is this?" Because at the time, like I said, you were hiding behind a grassy knoll watching this horse work at Palm Meadows, and the name of the horse is Zandon, uh, who's a Chad Brown trainee, a guy you don't know who's C-point for the Derby, but uh, this is a horse is uh, proved to be real there, Byron. Well, I certainly hope he is. I mean, you, first of all, just even though he is not a stakes winner, He's a horse that was beating the nose in the Remsen last year when he very well could have gotten put up, should have gotten put up by the yes. stewards, but they were taking a nap, I think, watching that race. Uh, and um, Mo Donegal stayed up, even though he fouled him, or at least it was pretty clear to me that he did. Um, and then his subsequent start um, was in the um, uh, the Risen Star Stakes, and he ran third behind Epicenter and Smile Happy. And if you watch the race, he breaks rather poorly in there. So while we can only speculate if he would have beaten Epicenter um, if he'd broken uh, sharply, you know, that's just, we can only kind of guess about that. But nevertheless, that's really good company that he faced and that he ran well against. And as a result, with Chad Brown, and working well. I mean, let's not forget, Chad Brown's been second in the Kentucky Derby. You know, he ran, um, you know, in, in the year of Justify there. So, um, you know, so he's uh, – I don't really question Chad Brown on on his ability to prep a horse for any race, and, and the Derby would fall in that camp too. Well, uh finally being able to move into your uh, derby dozen and you said this earlier byron i i just thought it was 
so, so spot on that uh, that 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 Messier is one of the horses that entered the Bob Baffert transfer transfer portal. I mean, that was just genius. But you know, the fact that he is one of those horses that did that, Byron, he goes right to number three on your list. Yeah, and I had him, um, you know, in last week's as well. I think we chatted two weeks ago, but I added him last week on the expectation that he would be transferred. Uh, it looked at, at when it looked as if that Bob Baffert would be suspended effective April fourth by the Kentucky Horse Racing Commission. Uh, when it looked like that would take effect, you know, I couldn't see these any of his owners and a lot of these just sitting on their horses for 90 days. So it looked like a barn change was forthcoming, and indeed that's the case. He now joins Tim Yachtin, who is a uh, was an assistant for Baffert. He's been out on his own for 15 years or so, so this isn't exactly like transferring to Jimmy Barnes or anything. But the point <laughs> being, he, he's part of the operation. You know, he probably... Uh, his training encompasses a lot of probably the same characteristics as Baffert. He's probably on a very similar feed program, uh, those kinds of things. So I can see why the owners chose to go in this direction. You know, he's also very uh, loyal to Baffert, and I think you know that all those circumstances worked out well. He, of course, in Maxine is based in Southern California. He's been able to work Messier once. Since he took him over, it was a really sharp six furlong workout and one eleven and change. So he's on point. He looks ready to go in the uh, Santa Anita Derby on the ninth. Uh, it will be interesting because he'll he'll meet a couple other old uh, stable mates in that race. I guess a horse that uh, y- you know uh, was the epicenter two months ago uh, is still leaving some questions to be answered um and that is smile happy well i think he's a really good horse smile happy is a horse that really everybody was gaga on over his two-year-old season he broke his maiden i remember watching it at keeneland and i was just like who is this i mean it was just such a professional performance going two turns then he wins the kentucky jockey club in just his second start uh, his comeback race was a fine performance. You know, he ran second behind Epicenter in the Risen Star. He now, it's, he's Kenny McPeak's by far his best chance because his other three prospects along the Derby Trail haven't really just panned out. At least on dirt, they haven't really panned out thus far. You've got Tiz the Bomb. Well, he he did not do so well when he ran on dirt in the Holy Bull. He did come back and win the John Battaglia, and he goes in the Jeff Ruby. But those races, the John Battaglia and the Jeff Ruby, are on synthetic. This horse has uh, a turf background, and that seems to be uh, more his calling. And some of the other ones, Rattle and Roll, who I was high on off his two-year-old year, has just been eh, just okay. He departs from the Derby Dozen. I've been disappointed with him. And, and Dash Attack has also uh, not really panned out. So clearly, um, you know, um, Kenny McPeak, who seemed to be holding four of a kind uh, not long ago, uh, now has uh, not quite as good a hand, but he still has, if not an ace up his sleeve, he's got a, you know, a king or a queen or a jack, you know. He's definitely got a... Uh, Nice looking card here with Smile Happy. Well, yes, he does. And uh, he, what uh, 
I, I think uh, from his, I just read an interview that he had with our friend Jenny Reese, and pretty much, even though the horse is nominated the Triple Crown, he he, he was kind of mentioning races in Ireland and races down the road. So I I, I think even Ken, Kenny's come to grips with while he's got a very uh, good individual on his hands in in, in Tis the Bomb, uh, his his future may well be on synthetic or on grass races. So. At least he kind of came out and said that. So I, I think we can kind of take him out of the Derby conversation. Uh, I, I, I guess we know that Animal Kingdom used this race uh, when it was still s- synthetic. It was polytrack at the time um, to use that as a launching pad to the Kentucky Derby. Uh, do you think that's what they're trying to do with uh, Back Adder in, in the Jeff Ruby? Well, Black Adder, I think could become a possibility in the sense that, you know, here's a horse that uh, did win on dirt at Santa Anita, but he won on dirt in an off-the-turf race, right? So I'm always slightly more skeptical of those because usually what happens in those off-the-turf races is while you're winning on dirt, you're beating turf horses on dirt, right? So it's not quite as as telling. Uh, uh, he's by quality what road. He's got some some grass pedigree to him, but um, and which often transfers to synthetic. But I, I think without question, his best effort though was in the El Camino Real Derby, which also has a um, synthetic surface there. The Tapita is at Galton Gate, and this horse looked beaten by McKinnon, who surged the lead in the stretch, and this horse just really accelerated nicely to get him and nail him at the wire. He wins by a neck. Um, he's 15-1 to 1 in the Jim Beam, but if he's 15-1, to 1, uh, please, uh, everyone and their mother should line up to don't bet. bet. I don't think there's any time. He'll be more like 5-1. to 1. Um there's just no way that this horse is 15 to 1. But um, he should uh, be a main contender in this particular race. And uh, I suppose he could go on. But I think more likely, you know, he earned a free roll of the dice for the Preakness when he won the El Camino Real Derby. That's a, a race right. that's run by the same people that own, um, you know, um, First Racing or the Stronach Group. They they own and operate Golden Gate Fields as they do Pimlico Racecourse. So, you know, promoting their race. But you'll remember the El Camino Real Derby winner won last year's Preakness. Oh, um, you just took you know? the words out of my mouth. Yes. Yeah, yes, he did. Yes, he did. So, you know, we can't discount it. No, not, no, no, no. So uh, we shall see. But, yeah, he gives me the impression that he's a better synthetic horse. Well, we will find out that that that's one of of, of the big derby races uh, that we're having. And I guess while I got you, I can't uh, before we get back to your derby dozen, uh, can't ignore uh, uh, the, the the Florida Derby because this one seems uh, to to not have uh, any horse in there that's got a bullet in its back. You've got uh, Classic Causeway, Simplification, uh, Charge It, uh, White Abario. Uh, would not surprise me if any one of those horses had a big race yeah it's by far it's got the most depth of talent i mean you've got here i think we've got let me count them up i think we've got four derby dozen horses in here in terms of um you know not in order here but well let me do them in order white abario uh we've also got uh, simplification classic causeway and charge it so i mean you've got four really good horses there and then others that you could make a case for that just 
Papa Cap, for example, who showed a lot of good things at two, but hasn't mm-hmm. yet produced it at three. Uh, you know, it's a really good race, and I think it's the race that at least has me most excited of the preps this weekend. The Arkansas Derby drew a deep field, not a lot of standouts. You have the excitement of the filly in there, Secret Oath who will be favored, and she is the one to beat. There's no question. But typically in something like this, especially a major race, the public really gets infatuated with uh, the filly, and they tend to really get bet hard. So I'm not so sure she'll be her 5-2 to two morning line price. I think she's going to drop below that. So uh, my choice in there, although he did not crack the Derby dozen, um, but my choice is a value alternative is Cybernice, who ran a much improved race last time out and who had previously been sixth in the LeCompte. Well, my, my eight to one shot, exactly what Cyberknife is, is Barber Road. Uh, I, I I think we're pretty much guaranteed somewhat of a lively pace uh, up front in the Arkansas Derby. And uh, from what we've seen from the, uh, th- this horse, uh, that would be a huge benefit. Guy really doesn't like to get going early, but when he gets going, he's had some big races against graded stakes company. Again, I'm looking at the odds, and I, and I like that at 8-1. to one. I'm going to keep that horse in there. But let's go back, folks, to... The Florida Derby, we have a a king alert, uh, a derby doesn't alert, not one, not two, not three, but four horses. And you remember what that crazy guy at River Downs used to say, if you're going to bet them, you got to box them. You want to go to the window, you box those horses, take 10% of your winnings, mail it to Byron King and care of the blood horse. I don't <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, I wish there were some huge numbers on those, uh, but uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't give them anything that's not apparent to everyone looking at the past performances. I mean, uh, we got to be, you know, these horses are all single digits on the odds board, whereas the other ones are are pretty big numbers. But I think it's really exciting. I think you've got some some really good horses, and you know, we got to remember there's the Florida Derby has produced. Care to guess how many Derby winners, John? Uh, I haven't been near a racing manual today. But, ah, uh, it's 24. 24 winners of the Kentucky Derby. Most of any prep, uh, right behind it, is uh, the Bluegrass Stakes and the Champagne, of all things, which we don't think of as a prep because it's really a, a two-year-old race from the fall of their, their year. So it's kind of amazing that is the case yeah. now. In fairness, it, it, the Derby's been around for a long time. They're going to run edition number 148. So some of these races, like the uh, Jeff Ruby, for example, has only been around for about a third of that time. So um, naturally, it's going to be harder for some of these races that haven't been around as long to generate as many winners. The the Jeff Ruby has had two winners of the um, Kentucky Derby. Lil E.T., who when it was on dirt, and uh, Animal Kingdom, who you mentioned earlier. So um, Florida Derby is just a great prestigious race, and not surprisingly, since horsemen love to go down to Florida with their best horses, it's usually a stacked stacked group down there. Well, Byron... Jai Reese telling me I got to get out of here. Uh, just give me where you're going to be. If you want that beach cleared out, I'll drive down in my Speedo in a heartbeat for you, baby. 
I think I'm going to go. It's going to be radio silence for me, man. (laughs) Enjoy. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks, okay? All right. See you, brother. All right. Byron King from the Blood Horse, Pete Aiello from Gulfstream Park, and John Engelhardt telling you with all this great racing, go to winningponies.com, pull down those easy win forms. We got your winners right here. Thanks so much for listening to another production of Winning Ponies. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhardt. We hope the information from today's show will benefit you at the next post. Join us for more insight next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Also, look for our weekly newsletter. Have a great week, and may your photos always be winners.